It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple, and of course, wherever you get your podcast from. Well, it's a Sunday. It is the 9th of April. The long weekend continues on your Easter Sunday, and whatever you are doing, I trust that it is a relaxing weekend and it was a, another busy, busy week at the Real Estate Podcast. And coming up in just a moment, we are looking back over the last seven days, which included, of course, the RBA pausing, a bit of a reprieve for mortgage borrowers. And wasn't that a welcome sigh of relief? We also in this past week spoke to Nick Gittos from Atlas in the lower North Shore in Sydney about the real estate market and a heritage iconic property which sold and produced a great result as a result of a couple of investors going head to head. And also this past week, we took you to Dubai to speak to Mario Volpe, a real estate expert about branded property there in Dubai, which is really taking off, where you can have your property themed out, if you like, Aston Martin colours and signatures, if Aston Martin really floats your boat. Asti Muddy Asmo was also here this week to talk about the housing report and the lack of housing in general. We also spoke to Matthew Hughes from Capital Property Advisory in Perth about the current state of play for the Perth property real estate market, including a couple of hot suburbs, but are they as hot as what people are making out? And Arjun Paliwell from from the Investigate Buyers Agency was here talking about Sydney investors and can they maintain a profitable portfolio. So that is all coming up in just a moment. If you're celebrating your birthday for today, for April the 9th, happy birthday to you. You are sharing your birthday with Ali Fanning, the American actor and younger sister of Dakota Fanning. She's turning just 25 Kristen Stewart is 33 today, and Jesse McCartney, the American singer, is turning 36. Every morning from 6am, we bring you the latest real estate news with diverse perspectives from leading industry experts. We deliver the most property podcasts across Australia every week. It's the main centre forecast. And around the country we go on our Easter Sunday. First to Sydney, it's going to be windy but sunny. And your temperature today, 21 is the forecast high. In Melbourne, expect some showers. Also windy, look at that temperature, just 14 degrees today in Melbourne. In Brisbane, a little warmer, sitting on 29 with blue skies. And in Perth today, for your Sunday fine and sunny with 25 degrees. We're a lot more than just real estate. Available for breakfast from 6am. Then, on the drive to work, 
or in your ear at the gym. In fact, wherever you go, we're available seven days a week. Enjoy your morning coffee. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. I mean, things seem to be progressing quite nicely amongst the market. Stock levels in our immediate area, particularly in the upper end, are down about 30% across the board, which is you know providing a lack of supply to the market. And of course, in real estate, um, it all comes back to, a lot of it comes back to supply and demand. So we're still working with some exceptional buyers, you know, local interstate, inter-suburb and, and on an international scale uh, that are still looking to secure, you know, premier homes or quality property and Mossman certainly on the radar for them. Yeah, exactly. Premier homes. Now, so you're talking to these vendors. So what's the sentiment at the moment? They're just deciding to just do this whole pause thing and not list. Yeah, look, really interesting. Um, I, I think it's a bit of a domino effect for a lot of our clients that are thinking about a sale. The million dollar question for them is where do we go? And when there's a la- lack of supply in terms of their next home, it makes it quite difficult for them. Coming back to rates that we touched on before, I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of people coming off that, that fixed term uh, towards the mid and end section of this year, which I think we'll see, you know, unfortunately, a lot of homeowners um, under a bit of pressure and potentially even forced to sell. Uh, which uh, could translate into more stock coming to market and, and get things moving again. But there's that element of uncertainty at the moment. You know, is it a good time to go? Is it not a good time to go? Our recommendation is it's probably the best time to go uh, while you're not competing with much other stock. I want to talk about a property that you recently sold, one of Mossman's largest landmark homes, which was sold for, I think, a figure close to $20 million. The home is a character home in Urunga, which was built in 1901. It was on a decent size of uh, land, 2,600 square metres. And what can you tell us about this particular property? It's obviously a premier property property and also a character one. Yes, certainly. It's one of one, Craig. It's just an exceptional home. As you say, it it spans over 2,640 square metres of of level land, uh, which isn't all that common in Mossman. It's in a a part of Mossman called Clifton Gardens, uh, which is certainly premier. Neighbours the Reserve, built in 1901. It's a beautiful Queen Anne Federation home. Actually, coming back to the land size, it that categorises it in the top five land holdings in Mossman and, and the sale result just shy of 20 million is the highest sales result we've seen this year on the Lower North Shore. So we had a lot of interest from all different areas and, and international as well, um, as you'd expect for a, a home of this calibre. The current owners have been there for just over 32 years. They're only the fourth owners to have lived there and, and owned the home in, in its 120-year history. So it's certainly a, a special home and one that got a lot of attention when it came to market. Wow. And do you know what they paid for it? The last vendors paid for it back in the day? They did. Yeah. So when they bought it back in the, I think it was the early 90s, they paid just over 2.6. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. You know, if you've got plenty of money and you want to sort of brag, I guess, it's not bad having a, a brand to say, well, you know, my second home is with such and such a brand. No, absolutely. And a lot of developers are doing that. They are, they are linking in with, you know, watchmakers, with fashion houses, with car manufacturers. I mean, the list goes on and on it, it, and it's working. People associate obviously luxury with these brands and it really helps to sell, to sell the inventory, especially dare I say, when perhaps the developer is, is known for sort of mid range. I'm not necessarily going to say lower end, but if they are at, at that table, 
all, adding a brand, for example, like Aston Martin to the brand or Jacob and Co, etc., who are luxury items, really elevates the product. So they say location, 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 which is which is true, obviously, the world over. When you add this extra dimension, people do, yes, feel as though they're getting something special. You know, it's interesting because those conversations around the board table, when they decide to go with the brand, I mean, it's very big, it's very bold, it's a lot of money that they're committing. And it's a a little bit of a punt, although you wouldn't think so, so long as they get all their numbers right. Yes, it's going to cost a lot of money up front for that brand, but... It's the waterfall effect that follows once you've made that initial commitment to a brand. Yeah, it is. And and I think they do think very carefully about who they link up with. It starts, I think, at the beginning with, with who you know, who's in your, your black book, as it were. Um, I mean, one particular company that's, that's linked in with, uh, with Jacob & Co., I know that the, you know, the family of the developing family uh, and this, this gentleman, the owner of Jacob & Co., they're friends. So it starts starts off a little bit like that and and aligning themselves together pushes both companies forward perhaps in certain circumstances one a little bit more than the other but there's others like i mentioned aston martin i mean who who wouldn't want to drive an aston martin car so, well james bond does obviously so there you go and when you align interior designs you don't actually get a car or anything when you buy an apartment but the interiors are styled towards these kind of brands you know people then just gravitate to it i don't think it's necessarily something that that happens or is replicated the world over but it seems seems to work in Dubai, maybe because we have a diversification of, of nationalities and therefore it only takes a, a few from each nationality to come together and then, you know, the building is, is sold out. But it works here, not necessarily everywhere else. It's your Real Estate Weekend Podcast in Review. And Anthony, this is the 11th rate rise announcement this afternoon, which of course started back in May of last year. So tell us what the RBA's decision has been. I think you can feel the sigh of relief from um, the East Coast to the West Coast with that announcement. There's been a lot of stress and strain on mortgage holders uh, since May of 2022. And I think this is more of a reprise, more of a pause than anything else. But with those recent inflationary numbers, uh, the RBA has decided to give everyone a little bit of relief this month. We deliver the most property podcasts across Australia every week. I know that you really delved quite deeply into this. And what are some of those key challenges that we need to tackle? So one of the main challenges is the fact that Australia is such a decentralised government system. And what that means is that you might have, you know, different parties that are in your local government, that in your state government and in your federal. And also that there are multiple councils next to each other, whether they own land or manage the land or the buildings. And each of these councils have a different policy when it comes to development. So, you know, because that is one of the main challenges, then one of the main solutions also is making it uniform when it comes to how to handle or how to manage land and buildings. That's the biggest red tape or the biggest challenge that we have for housing supply right now. And just as important, what are your predictions on how the market is going to perform for the rest of the year? 
Yeah, I think uh, look, the media can influence things in both a negative or a positive way. And I think the uh, the media sentiment around there potentially being a pause has probably gotten a few people that were sitting on their hands out of their seats and into the market. And that's put a little bit of upward pressure on pricing in March with that 0.5% increase. But it was also in line with what the Eastern Seaboard was doing. Sydney's premium market especially has kicked back into gear. Um, Brisbane seems to be he- trending in the right direction again now, and so does Melbourne. So it looks like all four of the major capitals are starting to trend up again. And like we spoke about last time I was on the show, I think a lot of people that were, I think smart money was already in the market ahead of this happening. I think if you're looking to, to invest, I think now or soon is the time to do it because once we reach that terminal rate, I think there's going to be a, a, lot of, a lot more buyer interest in the market. Yes. And looking at Perth on a more micro level, there is a growing buzz around particular suburbs like Rockingham and Mandra being flagged as hotspots for East Coast investors. So where are your thoughts on these so-called hotspots? I think they are hotspots um, because it's become a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think because of the support from certain um, pundits on the East Coast and some local buyers agents as well buying in Rockingham and surrounds and the Mandra area, I think it has become a hotspot because there has been excessive demand from interstate and some local investors. And I think that's something to be cautious of. So for that reason, we've sort of avoided buying in these areas and certainly nothing to do with the negative commentary around Rockingham or the demographic there. But we look at specific statistics. We're looking for gentrification. We're looking for lower percentage of renters in an area. And if you look at the overall WA um, percentage of renters, it's about 22, 23%. And then an area like Rockingham at the last census, which was a little while ago now, was 37%. So already well above that median and it's trending higher. So for us, that transient demand that we've got there at the moment that is not always there presents um, an element of more downside risk in our view. So we're just cautious of the fact that we don't want to be left holding the bag when we have a a good few years. And then when the market softens, these areas tend to soften more because that demand does depart the market. What we tend to look for in a suburb for investment grade purchase is we're looking for a higher demand from owner occupiers and families and all the typical capital growth drivers that that demographic desires. Uh, What in particular is, is high demand public schools. And that's something that's missing from areas like Rockingham and surrounds. It's your Real Estate Weekend podcast in review. And Arjun, maintaining that smoothly functioning portfolio is a top priority for an investor. Unfortunately, not everyone has the luxury of a seamless experience, if we can put it that way. So can you shed some light on the underlying causes of this challenge? Yeah, the key thing here is that everyone's investing in property for the idea of growth and then as well as multiple layers and streams of cash flow. Now, what tends to happen is that the growth is something that happens over a long-term period and the same with cash flow as rents rise. But then they can be met with things like repairs, maintenance, issues, vacancy. And all of a sudden, that long term starts to feel so far away that people get restless. And whether that's their personal finances that change or whether they need to sell properties and they end up selling too early, these are some of the things that clog up a portfolio and don't allow it to grow to the heights it could. And just having a look at repairs and maintenance, especially when you have a number of properties, I mean, it's a, it's a key part in all of the strategy within this, isn't it? 
Yeah, repairs and maintenance are an interesting one because one should always buffer for it. However, what I end up doing is finding a rule that ends up being something that helps me in my mindset for it, but also something that's a little bit far-fetched and unlikely to happen. So it makes me feel very conservative. And I call it the 1% rule. I tell myself, if I had a portfolio growing 5% per annum, and this is some very you know average compound growth, by the way, because averages can reach seven and eight sometimes. But if it was going 5% per annum, and I say took away 1% and made it 4%, would I still invest in property? And most would still say, well, yeah, sure, because it's 4% of a million dollar home or a 500K home. And then that would benefit your portfolio, Arjun. So why not do that? And that's why I look at it going, well, what if you took 1% away from your repairs and assume that 1% happened in repairs and maintenance every year? Now, does it look scary? Well, it doesn't, but at the same time it does because 1% is not a small number. However, it just gives that investor a peace of mind with a mindset like that. Yeah, and some people actually might say, why only 1% and not more? Well, it's a good question. So if we look at 1%, call it a $500,000 home, that's $5,000. Now, a $5,000 budget every year for repairs is a large budget. I'd be a little bit annoyed if my properties all across my portfolio cost me 5000 every year. But that's a special mindset to have. Now, when that $2,000 aircon happens, you're not stressing about it. You're not worried about it. You've already had that mindset that fixes in 1% each year and you just go, hey, it's part of business because I'd still have extreme comfort in my long-term goals if my portfolio achieved 4% compounding instead of 5 And so this is why it helps investors carry on, not sweat the small stuff and actually hold their portfolio long-term versus thinking it's an underperforming property and judging it too early in their journey. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 